Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Let's have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Welcome to the 58th edition of the MTO Podcast. It's your boy Jamal here with my main man, Nick. Uh, who's already starting it off with a lot of laughter here on mute. I love it. Hope he brings that energy all through the episode. Uh, we're going to talk some uh, NFL Combine, a little NBA, see who we're worried about, college basketball, getting geared up for the for the tournament, uh, some women's basketball, and then we're going to bring it home. But let's start with the NFL Combine. We kind of talked last week about the fact that we didn't think it was all it's cracked up to be as far as a, a great way to evaluate a player, but I will say one thing: them boys was running in every position group. They was running. So is this? I, I will. I will start with my first question being: Is this the fastest class ever? It has to be right. Like it seemed like every couple of minutes, another person was running a fast forty time. The, even it was DBs, receivers, running backs, D linemen, like. It, it didn't matter what group you was in. You was running a sub five. It was almost like everybody's been trained and basically to run the 40, which I mean, I guess in the past, everybody semi-trained for the 40 anyway, but it seems like, I don't know if this year more than ever, people are putting importance on it or we're just got a lot of fast dudes in this draft class. I mean, I mean, if the great Al Davis was still with us, he'd be, his mind would be blown at all the fast players. He wouldn't know who to pick in this draft with all these dudes running so fast. He'd be spinning like, oh, I'm getting dizzy looking at all these fast 40 times. So it's definitely a lot of fast dudes running out there. I um, I know we kind of said before that we kind of didn't really put much stock into the, the combine. You know, people kind of jumping from their combine numbers. But with all these dudes running so fast, I, I have to think that somebody's going to jump because of it. I, I can't see I can't see a scenario where nobody kind of gets a bump that a lot of people didn't ex, uh, that weren't expecting it because of a fast forty time or just some great numbers. I think with a lot of like you said with a lot of guys running so fast, I think this year we're going to see a jump. I don't know who you 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 know it when you see it though. It's one of those things like uh, what the Supreme Court says about pornography. I you know I know it when I see it basically. So. I think that's what uh, that's what it's going to be like when the draft, when you hear a name, you're like, ooh, that's a little bit sooner than I thought he was going to go. So I think we're definitely going to have a couple of those this year. I didn't think we were going to, but I think we are now. Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. I know we said we don't put a ton of stock into it, but scouts do. And I think it's it comes to that arrogance that I talk about, where it's like if you have the physical traits, they always believe they can coach them up and that, their lack of production was because some other coach ain't as good as I am and I'll get the most out of them. And that's kind of just the way they think. So you'll definitely see some people jump. Uh, I'm a big Virginia tech fan. I, I don't have to tell you guys that, you know that, but Amari Barno running at four, three, six at 250 pounds as a defensive end. For me, I was like, where the hell was that all season? Like <laughs> you that fast. How come you didn't make more plays, but he's going to make himself some money. I think he'll probably end up, third round, maybe second round, because you're running that fast, they're going to see what Michael Parsons did, and they're going to be like, oh, maybe I can make my own version. Or Odafe Owe, um, the guy that I wasn't really that high on, that 
looks like he's about to prove me wrong. He was a freak athlete and went first round and had a pretty good year for the Ravens. So it's a copycat league. We always say that. So they're going to try to make him their version of that. So I imagine he'll go up high. Uh, I wonder if th- how high Thornton's going to go with how fast he ran. I, it'll be interesting to see because that's a guy that I don't think many teams were really high on him. But then when you run a, I think he ended up officially, was it a 4-2-8, I think, officially? People are like, well, I can use some speed, you know? And then there's just a slew of guys just running just fast. Like, even Jordan Davis at, like, 350 pounds running a 4-7-8 was just like, we had talked about it before the podcast, and you were like, is that what it's like for a bear to chase you? And I'm like, that's as close as you can simulate, really. Like, I don't think it gets any closer than that. So just a lot of fast guys. And I feel bad for anybody in this draft class that maybe isn't fast because it's one thing to not be fast in a normal draft class. But this year when you're not fast, you stick out like a sore thumb because everybody's running faster than you thought. And then you're out here running a four, six, eight. And it's like, whoa, buddy, not this year. You can't get away with that. So I think it's probably the fastest class ever. It'll be interesting to see the mock drafts change and, and to see some of the reaches that come from that. Cause I think there will be reaches. It's just people love speed. They say speed kills, but in my mind, you also have to be able to play football. And sometimes I think we get enamored with it and you have guys go a little earlier than they should. And then it ends up creating more steals in the draft than it does anything else. There's guys that will slide because in a time when everybody's running a 4-4, they ran a 4-6, and then you kind of like review the tape, and then you're like, well, maybe, and you kind of convince yourself that he's not as good as what you're seeing. And then you find out, while he's a fourth-round pick, they're like, you know what, that was kind of stupid. He wasn't really good on tape. And it's going to be another year of that. So it's really interesting. Um, Another thing that I never really put a ton of stock in was how what the size of the hands of my quarterback is. And apparently that's a big deal because Kenny Pickett uh, had what they would call small hands. I think it was like eight and a half inch hands. And now there's some some scouts for real worried about picking them because everybody's like, well, no one's ever been a good quarterback with under nine inch hands. And I'm like, how big were Dante Culpepper's hands? But I don't know. Do you Would you put, would Pickett's hand size scare you away from drafting him if you were a quarterback needing team? It wouldn't scare me away from drafting him. I think there's a little bit something to be looked at. You know, it's funny too because when I saw before, I think even the hand size came out. I saw him like in the pocket holding the football. And I was like, "Ooh, his hands look kind of small." Like I didn't, I didn't put too much into it. I just you see some QBs like not. I know this is a bad comp to kind of bring up, or at least this person is persona non grata at the moment. But if you ever seen Deshaun Watson hold the football, like his hands basically take up most of the football. And that's obviously you have big hands and your hands can take up most of a football. So when I saw that with picking, I was like, Ooh, his hands are kind of small. And then you hear the size and you're like, Ooh, and I think the, the hand size comp for someone that small, I think was Michael Vick, like had hands that small, but was super fast and had a cannon. So kind of let those things slide. Uh, <laughs> different, different caliber athlete for sure. Yeah. So you tend to let those things slide with someone like a Michael Vick, but that was the last person I think that had gotten drafted, you know, pretty high and had uh, hand size questions. But um, I think it wouldn't be a problem, but he puts the 
ball on the ground a lot. I know he was better this year, but I know the year before he had some fumbling problems and the ball getting hit out of his hands, which I don't want to put on his hand size being small. But at the same time, I'm like, well, is that the issue why you get the ball kind of hit out of your hands a lot and why you have a hard time holding on to it when the pressure does break down in the pocket? But if you're going to be on a team that hopefully has a decent line, but I mean, depending on where you're getting picked, whoever knows with that, maybe it's not a big deal. I, he was, like I said, he was better about putting the ball on the ground this year. That seemingly would be his only problem I would see with having small hands. Maybe it makes it harder for him playing in the cold. I don't know. But he already plays with gloves on, so I would think that he would already kind of maybe have that down. Plus, he did play in pit, so I'm pretty sure it snows and gets cold up there. So I'm not going to put too much into it. I think... I think this is one of the things where you, I'm going to go with the tape more than anything. If I like what's on tape, I'm probably going to stick with that. I'm not going to really think about his hand size pretty much. I'm probably going to want to, you know, I'm going to watch him throw. I'm going to look at throws. I'm probably going to want to watch him throw without the gloves, honestly. I I, I know he's probably going to play in it, but to me, when I don't know why. When QBs wear gloves when they play, Teddy Bridgewater mainly, I, I think, is that a small QB hands thing? Because I think he had small hands too. Which maybe I should start to worry. I don't know. Maybe I talk myself into worrying now, but I don't know. I, I I'm gonna look at the tape hard, but I don't want to discredit him just because his hands are a little bit small, especially if he's played you know well and you know hasn't come up till now when we start to nitpick these type of things. I just really think it's a matter of us overanalyzing stuff and having too much time on our hands because. He's had small hands the whole time. It's not like they shrunk or anything like that. It's not like the Doritos commercial where, or I think it was a Burger King commercial where he had small hands or whatever. Like this has been who he is the whole time. And he's been slinging the ball around his whole life with small hands. I'm not too worried about it. It's one of those things that now when he does fumble, we're going to be like, remember he had small hands, but there's plenty of quarterbacks in the league right now that fumble the ball all the time. And we don't go straight to their hand size to figure out that's the reason. It's just one of those things to make a story out of something because you have to hype the combine and make it interesting. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a non-issue. Uh, if he has a fumbling problem, then he has a fumbling problem. Why he has a fumbling problem doesn't really matter to me. He's he's fumbling because, like I said, there's other players that don't have small hands that have a fumbling problem. It's equally a problem whether you have big hands or small hands. So I think it's a non-issue, but. It is something that can affect his draft stock, and so it'll be interesting if that's what ultimately happens on draft day. So with all the – now that the combine's over and you saw all the players, is there – can you name at least a couple players or maybe even one player that kind of got your stamp of approval from watching them over the weekend? Uh, one for sure is Chris Olave. Like, I know we had kind of talked about him before, and I think even – when they were going through their bowl run, but man, this, I didn't know he was that fast. I, you know, after him running that 40 time and running as fast as he did, that's one of those ones where on my board, he moves up a little bit more. If not, I already probably would have had him high just because I think he's a talented wide out, but he maybe might jump somebody that he's a little bit fast, that he's a little bit faster than if I'm like, Oh, they had him tied. And now this, he's a little bit faster because I did not think he was that fast. Uh, I, I was already in love with his game and I was yeah, I'm. I'm even more impressed. I I, I don't even know what to say. I, I got my hands up like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my hands. Like I'm just. I don't know. I just, just draft the guy. He's, he seems really good. He seems like he's gonna work out for whatever team he plays on. I 
I would love to maybe see him on like the Eagles or something. Like this is a team that needs weapons, man. The Bravens, even though they they went the Bateman route and kind of going the young route with Hollywood, but like I think he's I think dude's gonna be special. Put him with somebody who can sling it right away. Don't please Lord, don't put him with Mason Rudolph. But uh, just you know, just give my man a fight chance, and I think he's gonna be something special. He already had a stamp for me, so I can't use that. I think he's the safest pick in the draft. He's I'm not. There's not anybody I'm more sure that's going to be a good pro than Chris Olave. There's people that I think may be even better, but there's a chance I could see some bust potential with some of these players, but I see like zero bust potential with Chris Olave. He's going to be a good pro. So he already had that stamp for me. A guy for me that I I think got the stamp of approval was James Cook. And it wasn't even like a 40 time because he did run a good 40. It was just watching him in drills. He was super smooth. And then his hands looked like receiver hands. And I kind of knew that already because that's how they used him at Georgia. But I can imagine him being a problem. He reminds me kind of of Kamara when he came out. Like, we weren't really that high on him at the time. Like, people liked him, but he wasn't that top-tier running back because he was behind other running backs at the time in in Tennessee. I'm pretty sure he was behind Jalen Hurd before Hurd switched positions to receiver and then got hurt for the next five years. Uh, Cause he's believe it or not, he's in the NFL. He just, I don't know if he's ever played because he's been hurt his whole career. It's unfortunate, but I digress. Jalen, uh, James Cook is going to be that kind of guy to me to where we wonder why he slipped to the second or third round, specifically with the way a lot of running backs are being used these days. It's basically a mismatch waiting to happen. You split them out wide you let him you let him run. You just put him wherever he's going to get the mismatch, and you just exploit that. James Cook is going to be able to do that in the NFL. And I was always kind of unsure of how he would translate, but watching him and how smooth he is and watching those hands, I'm like, he's going to be such a problem for teams. When he's going to start off in the backfield, they're going to move him out to the slot, and you're going to have that linebacker trying to guard him, and it's going to be 50 <laughs> real quick. So... That's my guy that got a stamp of approval. There's plenty of other people um, that would qualify, but I think he's the one that changed my perception of him the most, I would say. A lot of guys I watched and was impressed with, like keeping it with the running backs, even with Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. I didn't know they were that fast, but I was already sold on them as players. It didn't change anything as far as me being sold on them. It was just like, oh, I, I didn't, and they're that fast too. Another check mark. Maybe maybe they got a second stamp, maybe, but they already had one. For me, James Cook, for some reason I was slow to come around on it. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, what took me so long? But I'm here now. You got your stamp, James, and I I think he's gonna be a good pro. Is that uh is that Dalvin Cook's brother? It is Dalvin Cook's brother. Okay. I thought so. I thought earlier in the year I'd heard that and then I was like, wait, and you were talking about hey, is that Dalvin Cook's brother? <laughs> It's funny because when he first ran his 40, because uh, Dalvin ran a 4.49, and when he first ran his 40, James Cook ran a 4.50, and Dalvin went on Twitter and bragged about it, but then when the official times <laughs> came out, it was like a 4.42, and so, like, yeah, you lost that, Dalvin, but I yeah. still think Dalvin's the better player, but James is faster, yeah. so it was just funny because, you know, a little sibling rivalry, I thought it was cool. Like, I just couldn't imagine that. Every time I see siblings in the league, I'm just like, could you imagine being a parent and like both your boys are in the league? 
you can't tell me nothing. I'm, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, I'm like, Nah, I feel like the NFL is starting to get that way now. Yeah, I feel like they're starting to get like the NBA because the NBA is littered with siblings everywhere. But I feel like the NFL is starting to kind of get to where parents are getting those freak athletes that are getting a couple of, couple of sons in the league. I mean, we got the Watts. Now we're going to have the Cooks, the Bosas. The Diggs. The Diggs. Yeah, we're st- starting to get those numbers. I still say if I was like the parent to me the most is the 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 holidays dad because I'm none of them are a size that's like crazy, you know? Like we look at the Watts, they're all gigantic men, you know? But I mean Drew's six three, Aaron's six foot even, and then now six. Justin's like oh, six Justin's six. pretty tall. Yeah, yeah just like, six, like six. Justin's tall. <laughs> but I mean, six three don't make you league. Six foot don't make you league, and uh, they all in there. So that'd be I'd be like calling NBA teams and like you need somebody to player development because I developed three of them from a young age. I'm telling <laughs> you, like I've done that. So, but again, we I, I I've been digressing. We're gonna stay on topic. Yeah, that's definitely his brother, and they're gonna have two solid running backs in the league. Let's switch on over to the NBA. Um, not a ton of change, but there's some teams that are wavering a little bit. So I kind of want to gauge your meter as far as your concern. And let just two of them. Let's start with Golden State. Are you worried about Golden State? I've been worried about Golden State. I've been trying to tell y'all probably since a week before All-Star break about this team. And... It's not, I don't even know where to start. I'll start with, we got to stop with all these teams. It's been all this week with everybody on TV just kind of benefiting of the doubt of these teams and just being like, well, when this thing happens and when that happens, and we just can't do that, especially this season, really any season, you got to go with what's going on right now. And what's going on right now with the Warriors is Draymond's not healthy, we don't know when he's coming back. Like, it, it, he's been traveling with them, but I've seen the dude more on TV than I've seen him in NBA games this year. So I don't know what's going on with him. Clay's not right. And the thing about when Clay coming back, I thought when Clay came back from his Achilles slash knee injury, that his problem was going to be on the defensive end. I thought that he wasn't going to wasn't going to be the defensive player that he once was, but the offense was going to be there. And since he's come back, it's really been the flip. The defense is still there. The offense isn't there. I think he scored over 20 maybe one time since his return. The shooting numbers are down. And this is Clay Thompson we're talking about here. We're talking about one of the best shooters in NBA history, not some guy that can just kind of shoot. So when I see Clay missing wide-open jump shots and wide-open three-pointers off of Steph, like Steph penetrating and basically collapsing the whole team because he's Steph Curry and kicking out to what normally would be an automatic, you know, three-point shot for Clay, And now he's hitting it short. He's hitting it long because now he's thinking about hitting it short. And I'm just worried about this team, you know. I'm worried about him because I don't believe in Wiggins. I know he was an all-star this year having one of his better seasons. But when it comes to playoff time, I don't believe in Wiggins. If this iteration of Clay is what you're getting, I I can't ride with that. I need Clay to be better than this. I... I do my, you know, 
how good can Golden State be off of the top end of their players, not off of the medium end or the bottom end. And that's right now what you're getting from Clay. You're getting his medium game. You're not getting his top game. And if I'm getting Clay's middle game and I'm not getting Draymond at all right now, and I'm getting uh, lesser Wiggins or a Wiggins that's, well, Wiggins pretty much, and I don't think it's going to give me what I need in the playoffs because the game does get more intensified and it becomes more of a half-court game. And I'm getting a lesser Curry, even to that extent, not the Curry shooting numbers that we've even gotten in the past, then I don't think this team is very good. I think this team is a regular season team. I think they get away, especially earlier in the year, with playing harder than most teams and knowing their system. So I think they sneak away a lot of dubs early in the year that normal teams let slip through the cracks because they're just not as gelled yet. And I think now that we're getting to the nitty gritty, I think you're kind of seeing a little bit more faults in this team. You know, they lost to a bad Lakers team the other night. There's no excuse for them to lose that Lakers team when you have Clay and Steph on the court. Like, I know Draymond's still not there, but Steph, Clay, and the rest of that squad should be enough to be a bad Lakers team. Like, this Lakers team has not been good. And to go and lose that should give anybody concern. So, I was already concerned. I'm concerned even more. I, I don't believe in this team come playoff time. Everybody just believes they're going to turn on the defensive switch and. Clay's going to be Clay, and Steph's going to be Steph, and Draymond's going to run the offense like he does back in the day. But this this team is a lot older now. Like, you guys have got to start realizing that all these players that are great still, they are a lot older, and they all of them have a lot of miles on them. It's like none of them have gone short playoff stints. Curry has been deep in the playoffs a lot of times. Clay has, plus his injuries. Draymond has. Uh, Kevin Durant out in the East. Uh, LeBron. um, even James Harden, anybody seems like that's going to be in the playoffs. Here has a lot of mileage on it, so on them. So I, I just can't, be, I can't believe in this team to rev it up come playoff time. And I'm just gonna, I believe in some of the teams that are around them that are younger and just hungry right now. Like I, the Suns are above them. I think are a better team. Clearly, they're above them. I think Memphis at this time is a better team than the Warriors. I think even going down to. Um, the Nuggets, who are slowly but surely, I know I got on to you for getting healthy, but the fact is they're a good team that is actually going to get healthy. We do know that their players are going to, well, at least Porter will come back. Um, Barton is uh, there. I think he might have had his ankle turn, but I don't think that's anything too serious. So I even like teams like that over the Warriors right now. So I'm worried. Let's see if they get on track this last little, you know, sprint of the season they have. But I'm, I'm really worried about the Warriors at this moment in time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the biggest reasons why I wasn't worried is I was, I guess, falsely under the impression that Wiseman was going to, we were going to see him at some point this year, and I'm not sure that's going to happen. And then with Draymond's injury throwing a wrinkle, and, you know, when he sat out, they kind of made it a, not that big of a deal, but I'm like, he's still out. And there hasn't been any real conversation about him coming back. And so that's concerning. I'm not worried about Clay. Even him as a slump is still at 38% three-point shooting. Obviously, it's not where we're accustomed to. But the last few games, he's been off. And then so now he's at, I think, either 38 or 37. Clay going to make shots. I'm not worried about that. So, but is that going to be enough, really? With just Steph and Clay, and then it seems like the Draymond injuries bigger than they're letting on. Kevon Looney's a solid role player, but I'm not worried about that at all. I don't think it's enough, is my problem, is, you know, Wiggins is a good player. I like Clay. I don't think Clay gets to elite Clay this year. 
I think you'll see good clay. Steph is sometimes he's otherworldly. Other times he's not, you know, he's still very good at all times, but there's all-star game Steph. And then there's, you know, three for 15 from the three point line Steph. Like both of those exist. Draymond's got to get ramped back up. Their bench isn't as good. Jordan Poole, when everybody's back and healthy, he's he kind of likes the ball in his hands, so he's kind of handcuffed a bit because you're not going to take the ball out of Steph's hands. So that's not what's going to happen. So that's not really... I don't think he's a great fit, honestly, for that team. They haven't done enough to bring along some of the rookies. I feel like I love Steve Kerr as a coach, but I feel like he sh- kind of... He'll bring Kaminga out, and then he'll sit him down for a few games, and then it's like, let him grow. Like, because he's, to me, he'd be very important in their, in their, their run in the playoffs. Is if he takes that next step, then it's like, okay, now you have another real solid piece. Moses Moody is another piece that I really liked for that team when they drafted him. And he, again, they don't really play him a ton. You know, I like Damian Lee, but Moses Moody has a higher upside. Let's see that now. Like, your window theoretically is open now. So, help him get there to help you out. But, you know, Gary Payton Jr. is a great story, but he doesn't help you offensively in as as much. So he's more of a slasher, you know, gets the scraps. I like the way he plays. Like, but is that going to be enough? And I'm not sure the answer is yes to that. Andre Iguodala, I don't know what year they think this is. They might as well move on from that. They should put him in the Juwan Howard role from when Juwan Howard was on the Heat. He's basically just a coach at this point in time. I do have some concerns. They, they're they not really... They don't have a big that's other than Looney, really, without Wiseman. Do they have anybody else on that roster that's over 6'9"? That's healthy? Otto Porter's probably like right at 6'9", but... He was like, that's it. And I'm not sure that's going to work. Like, if you go against Denver, like you mentioned, who's guarding Jokic? I don't care how good Draymond Green is at defense. He's giving up like seven inches to the MVP. That's not a good matchup. It just isn't. That's, so, that's the real problem because they can run too. So, like, that's their worst nightmare is, like, getting Denver, who's got a good post person and can get up and down the court, like, uh. Yeah, so I'm definitely worried. We'll see what happens. Anytime you have Steph, you do have the opportunity for him to turn on God mode for a little bit and, and win you a series, but can you rely on that to win a championship? I haven't seen that version of Steph to where he just single-handedly turns it on and, and wins you a ship. He's obviously good enough to win a ship because he's, he's got three of them things. But I'm not sure. I'm like LeBron every now and then will just turn it on to the point where he's just the best player you've ever seen. And he'll take, uh, we've seen it, Ogalskis and Pavlovich to the finals. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say Steph going to do that. So it'll be interesting to say. I'm not writing them off yet, but I definitely am worried. The second team I want to ask you about is Brooklyn. Are you worried about them? The reason why I ask this question is because they are the ninth seed right now. 
and they're like half a game up from being the tenth seed, which means they'd be the bottom of the play-in. Are you concerned about them and their chances and aspirations to be a championship team? I am worried because this is another thing that's <laughs> another team that everybody's like, well, wait until this person goes back. Wait until it. We ain't got time for that again. And they took another L today to the Celtics. Now, granted, the Celtics are a good team, but they had Kyrie this time. Like, so we're like, they're running out of games and they're running out of excuses and they're running out of time to gel. And I just don't know how good a team can be that's never on the court together. Like, think about that. Like, how often before even playoff time is the three of them going to get on the court, like, realistically? Maybe 10 games? Like, think about that. So maybe 10 games between the three, and everybody's just confident they can turn it on and win a ship. Like, think about how crazy that sounds. So to me, every time that we get on this Brooklyn can do it, Rand, I just don't think so. I think there's too much against this team going against them for them to make a run deep in the playoffs. I think there's the East. Well, let's start with the East being more talented than it's ever been in the past. This is a stacked in, the stacked Eastern Conference. This isn't the Eastern Conference of old when LeBron was running it, and basically all he had to worry about was Lowry and DeRozan until he broke them down so much that they traded away DeRozan for um, Kawhi Leonard when LeBron was already gone from the conference, but still. So this isn't that Eastern Conference of old. This is the New Eastern Conference that's got depth, you know, basically one to eight, because look at Brooklyn. They're nine, basically, right now. So I... I, I can't see it, man. You know, Kyrie is still playing half the games. We talk a lot about the New York mask mandate. We don't know what's going to happen to that. They rolled it back, but even with them rolling it back, he can't play. So basically it's looking like he's not even going to be able to play at home games unless they rolled it all the way back, sounds like. So I don't think that's going to happen with their numbers still being what it is and it just being New York City and just being so closely populated. I don't think their numbers are ever going to go down significantly enough in this NBA year for that to take effect. So now so now you're telling me in the playoffs that you're not going to have your second best player for home games, but I'm supposed to pick you every step of the way to make a deep... Like, think about how silly that sounds. Like, just say it out loud. Your second best player isn't going to play in home games, but I'm supposed to pick you to win a championship. Hell no. Like, I'm not doing that shit. Y'all not about to make me look dumb. So y'all can make them people on TV look dumb who keep backing that dumbass shit and saying, oh, yeah, they'll turn it on and Ben Simmons will play. Y'all can look like fucking idiots. And I can't wait for the excuses because it's not smart. Like, think of, like, come on, people. Their best player is Kevin Durant. I get it. Their second best player can't play in home games. Their third best player can't shoot slash has a bad back slash can't play even in Philly if he goes there, if y'all play them, because he'll have a mental breakdown. Sorry, not trying to be that guy, but just saying. he They're shielding him from even playing March 10th in Philly. It is what it is at this point. We can't dance around it. It's fact at this point. So I, I can't buy into that, man. Like, how am I supposed to buy into that with all these factors with this team? So, nah, they're they not going nowhere, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. That that ain't happening. There was there was that glimmer of hope, you know, like, oh, they're going to roll it back. And then you found out, okay, he still can't play. That was the end of that. And then back issues are tricky. That's not something that you could just say, oh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be back, no pun intended. And then Rich Paul came out and said, your boy, by the way, said that he's not even sure if he comes back in March. I mean, March just started, so... You said, what, they're going to get 10 games together? That's optimistic. 
I mean, there's only 17 left. And if he ain't coming back till April, there's not 10 games in April before the playoffs start. So, and even if he did come back halfway through March or towards the end of March, we know Kyrie, if they got home games, Kyrie can't play in those. So they're not getting 10 in. So they'd probably get maybe three, two. And then how much rhythm can you get in that? And even if you do start getting the rhythm, Kyrie's not going to play half the playoff games either. So maybe that's why they're a low seed because they want to they want to have more road games than home games so that Kyrie can play. So that's, maybe that's why they're losing these games. They're like, we need to be the eighth seed so that regardless of who we play, <laughs> we got four road games that are second best player. You know, you got to be think ahead. Nah, you basically just did that gif on Twitter of old boy pointing to his noggin. <laughs> That's basically what you're thinking the Nets are doing. They're like, you got to be smart. It's not checkers, right? That's what they always say. So I just don't see this working out. Whether you're getting four on the road or three on the road, that's still, it's not like you were going to automatically win because Kyrie played. We saw that today. So I'm worried. This looks like a better luck next year thing. And, but there is an angle that I don't think people are considering right now. So we look at the Ben Simmons thing. They traded for him. We're looking at them making a push. We talked about how good of a fit it is. Blah, blah, blah. There's a possibility that they flip him and those two first-round picks and get a different kind of whale and then pair whoever they get, like maybe a Carl Anthony Towns or maybe they go get Lillard and do something else with Kyrie, but they're in a position to where they can flip Ben Simmons in those picks and get a really good player and come back next year, even better than they look now. So I think that's an underrated part of this whole trade is that it also gives them flexibility. So if they decide, you know, this whole Ben Simmons thing ain't going to work for us either, they could come off of that and end up in a equally good position by trading him and two first round picks to get a very good player and then you still got Durant, and so you know you got a fighting chance if you got Durant. So I, I am curious on how you feel about that angle because I haven't heard that angle be played at all. And do you think that that could we're we're gonna say that they're not winning this year? Do you think that that's something they would explore to come back even better next year? I think you got to. I mean, I think you got to explore every option if you're the Nets. You. Especially if he doesn't come back this year. If he never comes back, or even if it's for a little bit, and then he has back issues again, I think you have to. I I think holding on to him would not be smart. I think you would fall into the trap that the 76ers did, which was fall, holding them a year too long. I think the 76ers' whole problem was they knew what their problem was, and they didn't, I wouldn't say they ignored it, but they just was like, oh, he'll figure it out. So they gave him another year, and then when he didn't figure it out, it was a year too late instead of a year too early or right on time. And I think if Nets, I would easily probably do it. I, You have no reason to hold on to him. You're not married to him in any kind of way. He just got there. You don't really know him. So I think it'd be easy to move on from him. Now, how many teams would want him at this point? You know, if he's going on to his third team in less than two years, he hasn't played you say he doesn't play this whole year. Now he's missed a year because of backslash holding out issues. He, yeah, he's an all-world defender, but and I, I get, I guess a playmaker. You can say yeah, a playmaker, but 
I, how much do you like with him not being a shooter and him like we, we've seen in the playoffs like I'm not building around that nor am I trading for that to me this becomes a I'm I'm not helping the Brooklyn Nets out by taking him off their hands I mean I guess if you're going to send me some of them picks that this way but yeah I, I think you got to look at it for the mere fact that you're stuck with Kevin Dyer, Kevin Durant and Kyrie and with Kyrie's kookiness you need a solid three so you got to figure that out in the offseason. Either it be through, is Ben Simmons going to be for real, and is he going to come in next year in shape, ready to go, or do we need to get you off our hands and figure this out with somebody else in the offseason so we're ready to go next year with hopefully Kyrie maybe playing full games and a solid third option or even just more pieces for the roster that's not a well-constructed roster. It needs a lot of pieces, you know, when – they're, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie aren't playing, they're not a good team. I mean, they already really aren't even that good of a defensive team. So maybe get some defensive pieces if you're getting if you're going to get rid of Ben Simmons. So yeah, you you got to explore all options for sure. I think that's I don't know if that's going to be on the table for him, but it definitely should be. Yeah, it was just an angle I thought about, and I was kind of curious your opinion of it because I hadn't heard anybody really allude to that, and I think it would just be an interesting kind of wrinkle and this Brooklyn team trying to manufacture a championship. And I think it's a really interesting storyline to see if they actually ever get that. Because when you think about it, there's been a lot of moving and shaking right now with, with that team. I mean, they just, what, two, just during the bubble, they had D'Lo. And then D'Lo flips to, they get Kyrie, and then they bring Durant, and then they bring Harden, and then they get Harden out and get Simmons. And then if they make this trade, then it's like they're making a lot of moves and shaking and trying to, there's so many players with names that you've heard, you know, coming in and out of that organization between Blake Griffin and now Drummond and then the Marcus Aldridge was there and then he left because he got the heart scare and then he came back and then Millsap was in and out and it's just and Dragic now came in and so they're really trying. Like you can't say that Brooklyn's not trying. They're they're getting everybody who's done anything in the NBA and, and bringing them in there. So it's just a really interesting dynamic to see what all they're willing to try in a short period of time to try to capitalize on this window that I don't know how, how open is it? Cause when you think about last year, you know, Kevin Durant wears one size sneakers smaller than maybe they win the ship last year. It's just, there's just so many variables. It's just, it's a really interesting dynamic uh, with Brooklyn. College basketball is getting into championship week um obviously there's going to be a lot of champions there's already it's already march in college basketball we've seen some some crazy things happen already um forgot to put this down so, but we're going to talk about it anyway what did you think of coach k's last game at cameron indoor and them losing to rival north carolina how bad does that have to hurt see this is why football teams schedule bad teams for homecoming you never schedule a rival and you never schedule anybody halfway decent for anything you want to party for your last sporting event like i i it's the acc so you can't pick your last game of the year but they probably should have winked and be like can we get maryland wink wink for our last game in the camera indoor or something like, not i'm not sure they would play their heart just so you know oh dang it i forgot they moved to the big 10 my bad my bad maryland uh virginia i don't know somebody bad uh nc state are they bad uh they're down the road right yeah um, nc state would have been a perfect one 
Okay, but yeah, this is why you don't do that because this is like this can happen. You get all excited, last game, Coach K, yeah, yeah, hooray! A lot of people there, tickets going for Buku bucks, which is just insane. But um, yeah, so yeah, they lost. You know, it's it's UNC, man. Like no matter how bad UNC is, no matter how bad Duke is, when those teams play each other, anything can happen, right? Like it's. Any rivalry, like it's you just gotta throw the records out. It's it's a rivalry. That's why it's a rivalry. They're gonna get up for you. So yeah, I mean it was still, you know, good send off. Coach K said all the right things. He seemed to be okay, you know, like he said, their season is not over. They still have an ACC tournament and an NCAA tournament, so the season isn't over. They got a lot to play for. So it you know, it's I'm sure it sucks for him. It, losing your last game at Cameron Indoor, I'm sure he'll get over it pretty fast. He's he's won a lot. He's got a lot of things to be happy for. He's won a lot of times, so I'm sure he'll get over that fast. And if they, you know, put a cap on it and like win the ACC and then win the NCAA tournament, I'm sure he'll be totally fine with taking that L at Cameron for that payoff at the backside. You saying that kind of made me think about it, and there's a good chance his final game is going to be a loss, right? I mean, the only way it's not is if he wins the NCAA tournament. So there's a good chance that that's how his career ends is with a loss. So, But I don't know. Like, to me, you have to find a way to get that done. Like, that's Coach K. You got to pay the refs. You got to do something. Like, you can't lose that last game to North Carolina at Cameron Indoor. Like, something's got to give. You got to take out a knee, like uh, – Tanya Harding style, like something's you can't lose that game, man. You just can't. Like as a Duke player, I would feel so bad if I was on that team and I couldn't get that done. Like that would haunt me more than the haunts Coach K. Probably I'd be like, man, they were trying to we were trying to send off Coach K. and We couldn't get that win against an average North Carolina team. Because it'd be one thing if this was like you know a North Carolina team that's competing for a championship, but it's a good team, but it ain't. We ain't worried about them winning no ship unless unless Caleb Love goes Kimball Walker and decides to just or Shabazz Napier and I guess you gotta play for UConn to do that. And so this is North Carolina. I don't know if they got that. So it's just unfortunate. And then even their assistant coaches were all salty and didn't shake Hubert Davis's hand and by all accounts Hubert Davis is like one of the nicest people ever. And he just kinda looked back at him. I, if I was him, I'd be like, you, boy, you lucky I ain't Jawan Howard. I'd have hemmed you up for that. So, And then even Nolan Smith kind of like looked away while he shook his hand. Just really petty stuff. It's like, don't get mad at them because they beat you. You got to go out there and win. You think they was going to let you win? This is your rival we're talking about. So I'm not even a Duke fan, and I kind of felt bad that they lost that because I was, I was like, man, whatever you think of Duke and how you feel and a lot of Duke haters, you have to respect what Coach K has done because – is he's one of one, you know, so I thought it had been cool for him to win his last one. I'm sure North Carolina fans are like, nope, sorry, but I don't know, it is what it is. Like you said, there's more games to be played, and I guess it's just on to the next one. Shit, shit, the NBA commissioner was there. He should have subbed in some NBA refs and been like, yo, y'all know what to do. Make sure <laughs> they get the dub. Don't wink. You know what to do. <laughs> Just for this game only, Duke alumni are allowed to play. Get Jason Tatum in here. <laughs> let's let's just for this one game. We just get. I think Kyrie could play. It's North Carolina. He's allowed to play North Carolina, right? So <laughs> get him in there and just go ahead and get that win real quick for Coach K. Shane Battier could probably still hit a jumper or two. 
I mean, Carlos Boozer with a suit, but I believe he could get a post up or two. Get Boozer down on the block. Does he got that shoe polish on his head right now, or is he just regular bald? Oh, right? see, why you go there? See, you ain't got to bring up old shit. You ain't got to bring up old shit. People don't forget, bro. Like, <laughs> I just hope he lost hey, the bet. I just hope he lost the bet. Dog, that was a national televised TV game, too. Like, that shit was the funniest. <laughs> like, hair don't shine like that, big dog. Like, what, you, what are you doing? Oh, man, that was great. Anyway... Just like he's on to the next, we're on to the next. Let's talk about these conference championships. We're not going to spend a whole bunch of time analyzing it. We're going to go down through every major conference. The the I don't even know why I'm I'm struggling right now. What do they call the the it's five in in, in football and the six in power five, power six. It's power six is what I'm trying to think of. I don't know why that's hard for me. You would think that having a sports podcast, I would know such simple things. Um, but here we are. So go through the power six and give me your winner for the conference championships. Let's start in the ACC. Who you got winning the ACC's conference championship? I'm going to go with Duke. I, I think Duke is still the best team in the conference far and away. The ACC was down this year. I think, I just think they got caught up in a lot of pressure, man. Like, nobody wants to be in that position where everybody's kind of expecting you to win. Like, I feel bad. I Honestly, out of everybody, I feel bad for those kids because I was like, man, all the pressure's on these dudes. Like, nobody else. Like, all those alumni in the stands, everybody for Coach like, like Jerry Seinfeld, NBA commissioner, like, they're there because, like, this. So, I feel bad. I feel like they had a lot of pressure on them. I feel like after this, they will be released of that pressure. And back to normal, as they would say, and I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna run through the AC tournament. Honestly, I think they're gonna be like have uh, like renewed energy. I think they're gonna be kind of ready to go again. And I'm, I'm going with Duke. I think they're gonna roll through this tournament actually quite easily. Yeah, I mean, Duke's the best team in the ACC. I think they win the tournament. I don't have a ton of analysis. Best team wins the tournament. Duke. <laughs> Uh, let's go Big 12. Who wins the Big 12? I struggle with this one, but I think I'm going to go Baylor. I think Baylor is the best team defensive and offensive-wise in the conference. I think each team is good at something, but they do have faults. I think Kansas is like a days upon defense sometimes. It gives up a ton of points. I think uh, Texas Tech is, struggles on offense sometimes. And I think that, well, I know Texas falls. They just can't score sometimes. They're good defensively, but their offense is ugly and stuck in the mud time to time. So I think Baylor is the best team up and down, quietly under the radar and just college basketball altogether. I feel like all year a, a team that, you know, lost a lot of players to league and just graduating, moving on, but uh, revamp with a Kinju, a Kinju, a Kinju? Right? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I call it Kenjo. Kenjo from, uh, right. yeah, from Arizona. So that Before helped that, out a lot. Georgetown. Okay, so a lot of players they brought in, uh, recruited in also. So I like Baylor. I think Baylor wins the Big 12 tournament. What you said makes a lot of sense. I'm going Kansas. I don't know why I'm going Kansas, but I am. I just, I like their talent. They don't play a lot of defense. I think they can outscore anybody. I'm going to just say Kansas and move on before I change my mind. So, Kansas. All right, Big Ten, who you got? Oh, the Big Ten. This this conference here, these frauds. 
I, I don't know who I trust. I, I'm going to go Purdue, who I don't trust farther than I can throw them collectively as a team. But I, I'm going to go roll with them. I I think I like their bigs inside because they switch them out and they're the same person. So they're never losing, like, a big inside, really. They always got somebody solid to guard the paint. Uh, Ivy is erratic, but can be good at times. So I'm going with Purdue. That was the worst compliment of all time. He's erratic, but can be good at times. We're talking about a top five pick in this draft. <laughs> You're like, he's erratic, but he can be good sometimes. Um, <sighs> Not how this game looked. Like, is that? I watched the game the other day. The dude dribbled it off his feet like twice. I try to like Jaden Ivey so much because I'm. I just keep thinking I'm missing something. And every now and then he'll do something. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see it. And then the rest of the game, I'm like, where'd he go? I thought he was a top five pick. Why is he, how's he get lost in the shuffle so much? Um, I do think his game is better suited for the NBA because there's more space. And I think he'll thrive more in that environment, especially since we just talked about his team is just a big him and then a lot of, a lot of you know, I like, uh, majors. They're not really. I like, like old boy when he gets open. What's I can't remember his Stefanovic? name. Stefanovic. We're like fifty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like him I like when his he gets game. open. But I'm not sold on Hunter and Newman and Thompson and Gillis. I, eh, I mean, they're good cosplayers. They, they're solid. You know, they belong, but they're not threatening me. I say all that and to stall because I have no idea who I'm going to pick for this conference because I don't really like any of these teams. Ohio State losing to Michigan without Dickinson kind of just rules them out for me. There's no chance I'm picking a team that just lost to a Michigan team without their coach and best player. Like, yeah, you nope, not doing that. I don't want to pick Purdue, and I think that's why I'm stalling because I'm trying to find a reason to pick somebody else. But I can't, so I, I'm taking Purdue. I, that's where I'm at. I, I do it, see, you coward. Pick Purdue. <laughs> I can see Michigan rattling off a few and, and finding a way to make it to the tournament by winning it. But I've already Does been Duan scoring. Come back? I don't think that matters. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that great of a coach. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't. I don't think that matters. But I've always been already been scorned by Michigan when I put them in my Final Four, and they're not even going to make the tournament. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying that again. Like we're not. We're not doing that again. So by default, I say Purdue. Uh, Pac-12, who you got? Ooh. So I think before the podcast, when we were kind of getting these uh, topics together and I picked my winner, I think I picked the realistic winner, but I think I'm going to change it up. I think I'm going to go to UCLA. I think UCLA is starting to kind of get it together. I feel like they're one of those teams where like, I feel like they had it together and then they lost their shit in the middle of the season and then they're starting to get it like back together. I feel like that's where UCA uh, lays at at this point. Uh, Juzang has kind of been in and out of the lineup. Uh, I can't I can't remember what the injury was. I think it was an ankle, I think. Uh, if they can get him back and with the rest of his team, I like UCLA, man. I even like them to make a run in the NCAA tournament if all goes well in the Pac-12 tournament. So I, I like UCLA. I think, I think they can get uh, Arizona in the championship game. I think that's probably who they'll end up playing against if, they're on the opposite side of the bracket. If not, then beforehand. So I got UCLA. 
UCLA is probably the most complete team. And the fact that they can beat you in so many different ways, they have shooters, they defend well, they can penetrate, they've got depth. But I'm taking Arizona because I like their high-end talent better. I think they have the best player in the conference in Matherin. I like their two bigs. I'm going Arizona. Um, SEC, who you got? Another one I think we're probably going to disagree on. Ah. I want to go Kentucky. I like their talent. I like the way they play. It's a typical Cal, well, um, for the most part, kind of typical. I guess they don't have that many one and dones, but they play like a Calipari team is what I'm trying to say. But I don't, I don't know what I don't trust about Kentucky because I feel like I should. Calipari. They have the, uh, Calipari is probably the reason. They have the shooter old boy that transferred over who I really like. Uh, they, they have Oscar Shibway in the middle who's probably going to be player of the year who I really like. So I feel like there's no reason for me not to pick them to win this uh, conference uh, championship tournament, but I think I'm going to go with Auburn. I I feel like they play hard every game. They might not be able to put the ball in the basket every game, but I do believe that they play hard every game because Bruce Pearl makes you play hard every game. He's basically college version of Tom Thibodeau, except for, I guess, your knees don't get blown out when you play for Auburn, but... So, I like I like Auburn, man. I, I like Walker Kessler in the middle, holding it down game to game, every game. So, he always makes it difficult in the paint. Um, I'm going to go with Auburn. They have uh, basically a first overall talent on their team who can, get his, who can get his own shot and can be a menace on the defensive end. So, I like Auburn. I'm, I'm going to go with Auburn to win the SEC ship. It's funny because Bruce Pearl, to me, is like, Middle class Calipari, like that's how I feel. I think they're the same guy, really. I don't, I don't trust him either. They're the same guy to me. So if I'm gonna choose between Calipari and middle class Calipari, I'm gonna take the regular original OG Calipari, and I'm taking Kentucky. Uh, Big East, who do you got? I'm gonna do it, and I feel bad because I feel like I've clowned this team all year. Maybe not on the podcast, but just. At home to you, just in general, I'm picking Providence. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Providence. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be that person who talks shit about somebody and is like, "Ah, I got your back." <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Providence winning the Big East. I don't know why. Like you said, they've been winning with smoke and mirrors all year, but smoke and mirrors for 400 one more time in the Big <laughs> East tournament. Uh, I got Villanova, and it's for the opposite reason that I just picked Kentucky. I just trust their coach, and I just feel like Jay Wright's going to find a way to get this done. I like Gillespie. I like Moore. I like Samuels. Dixon's playing better than, well, when I say better, I mean better than he has in, the, in his career, really. Like, he's been good all year. So, I'm going to go Villanova. So, those are our picks. So, Everybody write those down and then pick somebody else so, <laughs> because it's probably not going to happen that way now. Um, let's move on to women's basketball. I want to talk some Brittany Griner. I know you want to talk Liberty. Let's start with the Liberty situation. Uh, talk me through that. All right. Well, it's funny because you think about it, the Griner and the Liberty situation, they kind of coincide. It really, if you kind of think about it like deeper, on the level, but we'll start with the Liberty. So 
it was kind of funny, but at the same time, it's kind of like, what the hell? This doesn't really make sense to me. So the Liberty got fined uh, earlier this week, and they got fined because they got found out to be using private jets for their team charter, and that's against league policy because they all fly commercial for some reason, and at that, don't even get, like, first-class seats. So, like, you have these highly class, you know, high-end athletes in, like, coach flying, and that doesn't make sense to me. But the Liberty don't have a broke boy owner, so he was actually letting his team fly private, and that's a disadvantage, which it is a disadvantage, or an advantage, it is an advantage if you're getting, like, good night's sleep because you're getting in way ahead of the other team and kind of, you know, not having to have a layover in Seattle and getting your bags and this and that. Like, that's an advantage if you think about it. So, Liberty got fined for that. And I was just like, what are we doing here? If we're trying to grow the game and you're telling me that these ladies are as good as they are and we should put all this into them, then why aren't we putting the money into them to be like the NBA teams to fly private and or at least have charter planes or whatever to get them there on time and not having to get them there late at night, the night before games, so they're not well rested. I mean, we made a big hoopla about the NBA schedule because of the players needing rest and all this air time that they were. They changed the schedule because of research that came out because of them being on airplanes so much and this and that. But you got them flying coach who's going to have them on more air time and doing this unnecessary stuff. And the worst part about it is, is I guess a couple years ago when they were redoing their... I don't know if it was a collective bargaining agreement or just the owners doing their stuff in general, but they had a chance to hop on a private jet deal for the WNBA for all the teams, but they didn't. Like, I guess some owners were against. I can't. I can't remember the specific reason why they didn't go into that, but they had an opportunity for them to have better travel accommodations and for their players to have better arrangements of getting city to city. So. I just thought it kind of sucked. It was unfair that the Liberty, the Liberty, uh, New York Liberty were being punished for basically having an owner that cared and wants to actually win. We talk about teams wanting to win and owners caring. This owner actually cares and he's being punished for that. He's being punished because he wants his players to have the, it's almost like when Mark Cuban bought the Mavs and we started hearing about their locker room upgrades and them having nice seats in the locker room and this and that and how players wanted to sign there because they were being treated so much better. So what? Because I'm treating my players better than you treat your players. I gotta get punished for that. Like this doesn't make sense to me. So I just was. I was just like, yo, if you're gonna, if we're trying to grow the game, we're trying to make the game better. Then y'all gotta step y'all's game up. We can't be going backwards. We gotta be going forward. So it it was just crazy to me to think that a team is getting fined for basically treating their players good. I'm trying to think of the the right words for this, and I'm probably just. It's just a podcast, so I'm probably just going to say exactly what I feel. That's what I'm going to do. Um, the fact that they're not all flying private is insulting in and of itself. But then, taking it a step further and finding a team for allowing them to fly private is fucking ridiculous. Like, it's almost like you don't want this to get better. It's almost like you created this league just for the guise of equality, but you don't really want it to grow. Because flying private is, like, could you imagine the strike that would happen immediately if you asked NBA players to fly coach? 
Like that would mid season we're done. We're not we're not doing this. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. Like they would land in at their layover and be like, We're not getting on the next plane. Like <laughs> it's a wrap. But like to find a team just because they allowed them to fly private is the most ridiculous thing ever and it's I would be so insulted if I was one of those players. I'd be insulted if I was a woman basketball player anywhere. I don't care what level you're playing at. So, you know, the goal is to kind of play in the highest league ever. And then you're looking at it and like, damn, I can't even, my dream job, I can't even, I'm not even allowed to fly private. Like, what is that? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm just going to stop there. But it's wholly ridiculous that you're not even allowed to fly private. It should be mandatory for you to fly private. Like, these are professional athletes, the best in the world. You should be able to cater and treat them as such. But to penalize someone for treating them like that, that's just next level ridiculous. Yeah, and that kind of almost brings us really to the Brittany Griner situation because if you think about it in correlation, if they're on this on the private jet level, then obviously this is a reason why someone like Brittany Griner still has to play over in Russia because how well are you playing your, how well are you paying their players if they still got to play in two leagues? You know what I mean? Basically year round to make their cash. And, you know, if a lot of people don't know, it kind of came up the other day, Brittany Griner is being held in Russia because I think she was trying to get out of the country and they detained her at the airport. I think with some vape pins, I think was, what she's being held for and one the fact that this happened almost a month ago and we're just now figuring it out is crazy and two this is crazy the fact that one she's being held over in russia which is going through a war with ukraine that nobody agrees with at the moment and she's being held over there for a vape pen too and just the craziness of all that is just we don't really think about it and like to me this is another red flag for WBA, like pay your players like one of your best players right now is stuck in a Russian jail because she has to play year round because you don't pay them enough. Like I'm asking a lot of, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the WNBA real funny right now. I'm, I'm looking at him like, Oh boy, from uh, the movie, uh, whatever was it wise or whatever. My man uh, from the black Panther movies with his head sideways looking at, Oh boy, that's how I'm looking at the WNBA right now. I'm looking at him real funny in the light. So they got to get, they got to step their shit up, man. They got to get it together. This is, is been a bad look week, if you ask me, for the WNBA. But, I mean, with everything going on, it's probably going to get swept under the rug, but it shouldn't. I've, it should get brought up. Somebody should have to answer some questions about all of it. It all ties together to me. So, I, I don't know what you think. I don't know if you think they will, but I I think they somebody's got to answer some questions. I mean, I was all prepared to go in, but you said it already. It's, it's got to change. I mean, we got to do better really with women's sports in this country. Like our women dominate every sport that they play and we treat them like second fiddle and it's got to stop at some point. Like at some point we got to appreciate how talented these women are same way we appreciate how talented a lot of the men are. So yeah, it, you've already said it. Like the whole situation is gross and so many different levels and as a result you know she's in a very scary place like very far from home and 
like it's crazy how much they can control the media because could you imagine in america like it taking that long like with social media and all this stuff like that have been immediate and so they got that thing on lockdown for it to take three weeks for us to even find out and yeah it's just it's a scary situation that's for sure and i don't want to bring it to this but i mean her being a black gay woman i don't know think helps you know if she was white blue eyes you know blonde hair over there stuck might be a little bit more of a hoopla but it's six foot whatever Brittany Griner tatted up are we really I mean I care is anybody else really caring you know so we'll see man it's, it's a scary situation though nobody ever you literally you never want to be locked up abroad you definitely don't want to be locked up abroad in Russia during a war time that's that's the last thing you probably want also so we, you know hopefully that situation gets handled and you know it gets, you know, she gets out sooner than later, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't help. And yeah, I mean, and then because she's a big name, though, I could see her being used as a pawn and some, I don't know. This is, at this point, it extends beyond my scope, but it just seems like a scary situation and it's unfortunate and... This is going to switch from a sports podcast to something more important real quick. And it's, I just, we just need change. We need change worldwide. We need a lot of change domestically. And it's bigger than basketball, but there's a lot of things where we need to look in the mirror and, and, and do better and, and strive to be better and do right. And, even if that means we have sacrificed some of our own luxuries, we really do need to make sure that we're on the right side of history. And that's where I'll, I'll leave it. So let's go ahead and, and bring it home. Um, it's kind of hard to switch gears from that somber mood, but we're going to, we're going to try our best um, with the combine going on. And a lot of people love the combine. If you were to attend the combine, what would be your best event? Would you would you want to run the forty? You trying to do the vert? What are you trying to do, Nick? What's your what would be your best event? Man, at this time, I think my legs are cooked. Like I, I probably got to pick something with the weights. I feel like uh, Adrian Bronner in those videos on Twitter. Uh, I'm getting cooked. I'm like getting cooked. So it probably have to be like bench press. I. Because what, what do they do? It is that two twenty five? Is it at two hundred? What what is it? Two twenty five. 225 man right now i'll probably put it up six times you give me like a week or two to train i can, I can put it up a good couple i can put it up over 10 maybe 12 15 so i bench press would probably be mine that's be the one i could do the best in right now at this age just because i feel like you get it you get the older end once you get past 30 when you go to the gym, a lot more of the upper body, a little less of the lower body, a little got a little more wear and tear on them parts. So uh, it'd probably be the bench press for me. Man, it ain't for me. I'm not sure I can get that thing up there once. Uh, Two twenty five. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't big boy lifting up. I don't know. I might be a goose egg if I do that. So for me. It's probably not going to be one that's timed or counted. I need to run like the gauntlet or something like that because, I mean, I can catch. Hopefully, hopefully them quarterbacks take it a little easy on me and don't put so much cayenne on it. 
I could run in a straight line and catch. I could do that. So <laughs> let me run that gauntlet. <laughs> and let me let me catch some passes because uh I don't want to see my three cones real time. I don't want to see my 40. I don't want to see my broad jump. I don't want to see none of that. Just let me turn around and catch a ball. Let me do that. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, you, the way you started, I thought you were just going to say, let me take the wonder link test. <laughs> like, I don't want to do anything athletic. Just let me take the wonder link test and I'll outscore everybody. I thought, because you were like, I don't want to do weights. I don't really want to do run. I was like, oh, my man said, I'll just give me the test. <laughs> I mean, if, if the water lick's an option, I, I I think I could do pretty well in that water lick. You know what I mean? I I did pretty good in school. So, you know what? Maybe if the gauntlet's not an option, give me that water lick. Let me see what I get on that. I know I ain't I getting no sure seven. I thought you were going there. I was like, I my mean, man I, said, I'm about I to sh- score high. <laughs> I should have. I mean, I was pretty good in school. I went I went pro in some other than sports. That's what I did. So, yeah, give me that water uh. lick. Let me see what that looked like. So... Uh. <laughs> I got some athletic ability. Come on now. I could leave. My man told me to put a pistol in my head. Like, I know you do, but I thought that's where you were going because I didn't think you were going to go that route. But then the way you start, I was like, is he really going to go this route? This is a curveball. I got caught looking at the plate like, oh, damn. If I had thought of it, I probably would have did it just for the comedic effect because that's funny. But nah, give me the gauntlet. Let me make sure I get the – I got to get those – NFL receiver gloves, though, because I'm sure they're a little stickier than the receiver gloves that I've had. So I could I could turn both ways and catch it. Yeah, I, I, I could do that. I probably won't run in a straight line. I'll probably be zigzagging like a motherfucker, but <laughs> I'm going to catch the ball, though. I'm going to do that. So, all right, well, you guys share with with us what you think your best event was. Um, we'll shout them out on, on, the, on social media. Next week, we'll – ooh, is next week when we'll have our – uh, college basketball selection Sunday show? I think so. So next week will be a lot of college basketball. What I'll have to do in this week, I have to I gotta keep myself honest here, is I need to after all the conference championships are over, or most of them are over, I need to do my bracket and post it on social media so that you can see that I can go sixty four for sixty eight. I ain't forgot that I said it, so I need to go ahead and do that for y'all so y'all can see that this ain't that damn hard. Um but until then you guys have a great week. Um, it's spring break in some places, so enjoy spring break. I can't get off the air without saying shout-out to the men's basketball team at UAF for winning the GNAC championship, which is the first time in a long time. They were a 10th seed, 10th seed winning the championship. So, you know, it's March. This is what it's all about. Really happy to hear that. Really proud of them boys. So shout-out to them. Uh, like I said, until next time, we'll, we'll holler at y'all next week. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.